recommend to Zion, Consciousness and Covenant podcast rediscovers, discover and discuss several important matters relating to being covenant-keeping Mormons in the New Age. Of course, anybody listening to this podcast, you don't have to be a member of the LDS Church, but it is an LDS perspective on Kundalini Yoga and many other things relating to the New Age that we're entering into. I'm Andy Rasmussen, joined by Felice Austin, Satnam Felice. So, your book is being is being released as we speak, mm-hmm. um, chapter at a time. Mm-hmm. Thought we'd take one of those chapters today, and it just not all of it, but just a, a couple of pieces out of it, and uh, this chapter is not out yet. <laughs> two minutes, yeah. It, no, it's not, um, and. There's a reason for that. (laughs) (laughs) Things need to come in order. Um, And the the other chapters will lay the groundwork for this one. But this is... A lot of the concepts here are are obviously not new. And it's uh, the body in the temple. Uh, Jumping Mm -hmm. off 1 Corinthians 6.19. Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you. And the elements uh, in Doctrine and Covenants, the elements are the tabernacles of God. The man is the tabernacle of God, even temples. Hmm. Um, so this is this is the crux of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And you have some fantastic stuff in here, and people should uh, wait with bated breath. <laughs> the release of this chapter. It, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I wrote, the, I wrote the whole book, and then I was like, okay... Time for the big stuff. <laughs> really? Was this the last thing you wrote? Yep. Well, it is. It is the big stuff. It's it's amazing. It, one of the first things you uh, reference is Doctrine and Covenants ninety three uh, says, "For man is spirit. The elements are eternal, and spirit and element, inseparably connected, receive a fullness of joy. When separated, man cannot receive a fullness of joy." And you quote Jesus or Joseph uh, again, saying Joseph Smith saying, "That which is without body, parts, and passions is nothing." There is no God, other God in heaven, but that God who has flesh and bones. John 5.26 reads, For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given given to the Son to have life in himself. God the Father took life unto himself exactly as Jesus did. Uh, Interesting coming on the heels of our last podcast on reincarnation and the the similarities. This This is the difference. This is the radical specificity that sets us uh, Mormon doctrine apart from everything else, but it's the one that uh, uh, I think brings it all together and lays the power uh, to mm-hmm. everything. What were you, what's your experience writing this chapter? Wild. <laughs> <laughs> um, I knew there were a couple, I knew there was like a lot of really deep stuff that like, like comparing the body and the temple. And um, I, there was a book that I, when I sold, you know, everything and left LA, there were a few books. I mean, I brought most of my books, but there are a few books that I didn't put in storage, like, cause I knew I was going to need them. Mm-hmm. And one of them was um, a pretty deep book on the temple that I just had never really read. And then I just was like, okay, I got to read that book. And I read it all in one night. <laughs> 
And I was like underlining things and like highlighting quotes. And then it just kind of all fell together in my brain. And I was like, this is what I've been trying to say for years. Um, Mm -hmm. But God finally put the right words into my mouth. I just realized, you know, the body is a temple. And so, um, and the temple is so key to our our faith and our teachings and our exaltation. I mean, the temple is so key. Um, but yet most of us don't fully understand it. Um, but I just was like, you know, there's things that we do in our temples that are, that give us power and that are super important. So there must be things that like there's ordinances that we can do in our body that, that we need to do in our body. And I found this great quote from other Holland. Holland. This is exactly where I was going to go. Yeah. You want to read it? I don't. I can't find it right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, and in fact, I'll just read the first couple sentences there in your paragraph. You say, "In the temples of the Lord, <clears throat> sacred ordinances are performed, and in the guide to the scriptures, ordinances." My screensaver keeps popping up. Ordinances is defined as sacred rites and ceremonies. Ordinances consist of acts. This is a direct quote from the guide to the scriptures. Ordinances consist of acts that have spiritual meanings. And you say, "I'm not the first to suggest that there are also ordinances of a kind that occur in the temple of our bodies." Um, the term ordinance has a roughly similar meaning to the word sacrament in other Christian denominations. And then Elder Holland, Elder Jeffrey R. Holland, suggests that human intimacy is such a sacrament. And he's uh, given several talks on this. Of course, the um, the one that kicked it off the most famous is early 90s, late 80s, uh, Soul Symbols and Sacraments. Uh-huh. Um, but the quote is, for our purpose, this is Elder Holland, quote, for our purpose here today, a sacrament could be any one of a number of gestures or acts or ordinances that unite us with God and his limitless powers. And and that's the end of the quote. I would add that uh, in reference to what he was talking about, that allow us to be, to not only unite, but to be like God and take on ourselves the mm-hmm. the mission of the Creator as his child. And then Elder Holland says, Elder Holland asks, uh, adds that all the special moments of union with God are sacramental moments and that we should seek them out as often as possible and appropriate. And in doing so, we gain access to God's power. Mm-hmm. What page are you on? I'm totally lost. I'm looking for it. Um, that's the uh, second page of the chapter. Oh, okay. Why can't I find Under that? the heading... Similarities between temple bodies and temples of God. Oh, okay. It's a yeah, last and you, I mean, yeah. okay. So he was, um, when I found that quote, I was like, oh, this is awesome. Because he's talking about, you know, anything that, wait, what did it say? That unite us with God, anything that unite us with God, gestures yeah. or acts or ordinances that unite us with God. And he talks about, um, that they're like sacraments, which is another word for ordinances in some mm-hmm. faiths. But he talks about human intimacy, but he also talks about like priesthood blessings, yeah. like blessing a, blessing your child in the, you know, like giving them a name and a blessing. Like some of these things can be really, really special. They're not for everyone, but but um, he's talking about, and he's talking about moments of deep meditation is really what he's talking about. And when he says seek them out as often as possible and appropriate, yeah. like, Hello, like, we should be seeking them out. Um, In doing so, we gain access to God's power. So, you know, if it's not possible for you to get to the, I mean, it's not possible to get to the temple, like, every day Mm -hmm. for some people, you know. Some people, some people it is. um, But some people it's not even possible once a year. I mean, it it may be possible once a year. Right. Um, 
And but the rest of the time you you can prepare and you can do ordinances in the temple of your body. And I, that's why I think Kundalini is such a, actually a great bridge for people who've never been to the temple, like to do Kundalini yoga and then go to right. the temple. And it's not, it doesn't seem so strange. It just is like, Oh yeah. This yes. Is- well, when you're talking about specific um, mudras and words and mantras, and it's all there, it's all part of the same technology right. activating this, this temple body that is, the same as God's, and uh, in and really in similitude of the of the temples that we have, the the brick and mortar, or maybe they're in similitude of our body. I think that's probably a more accurate way to put it. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's all uh, mo- scale models of the cosmos. I mean, it all flows together. It's just <laughs> I don't. I haven't read this chapter in a in a few weeks, but I've read it, I read it a couple of times when I first got it. It's amazing um, because it'll. So much you have so much in here, but then there's so much that it connects to as you start reading it. Oh, like you, you know, fireworks going off in my brain. There's well, this connection. In you're that. good at making connections. <laughs> well, yeah, yes, that's a, a particular that's gift. A, but everybody, I mean, that's they're all there. Yeah, yeah, they are here if you want to see them. And um, the it's um, amazing. I mean, like our physical bodies are. I think a lot of the yogas of the world. Um, it was just about keeping the body fit. And uh, to be honest, yoga has been bastardized by the West, you know, and, um, it, it, that's part of the hangup is, you know, when you say, oh, I teach Kundalini or or like the the answers that you're looking for are in Kundalini yoga. People get hung up on yoga because they think, what? Like, but like, (laughs) it's the science of union with God. That's what it's always been about. Mm And it's so funny. I was talking to one of the girls who's doing my mentorship this time around and, she said, she's, she's younger than me. She said when the internet first came out, she was like under 10 years old or something. And her parents got a computer. And she said the very first thing, like, you know, she wanted to go on Google or whatever. I don't think it was Google at the time. She wanted to go on the internet and search yoga. <laughs> and she didn't really, she'd never done yoga. She just... <laughs> Something in her was like, I just want to know about yoga. Like as a as a younger than ten year old, really? like that's just really interesting. That she's just was like, I had to know about it. <laughs> well, and there's a, I think there's a level of preparation as well. It certainly has been bastardized by the uh, the the cult of body. Interesting with this topic that uh, consumes the West. Uh, that is, a, I, I, everything is in direct opposition to the actual uses of the body and and sex and everything else. But there is, there can also be multiple um, things accomplished, even when things are going awry. And you can have a lot. You got a good portion now, more than half, on uh, in some cases, some studies I've seen of the population in the United States has done yoga and a significant mm-hmm. minority practices it on a regular basis. And most of mm-hmm. it is the exercise, the basic, the, you know, rec mm-hmm. center stretching and whatever. Mm-hmm. But that's... There's nothing wrong with those no, yoga. I mean... That's a the, preparation the, of their yoga, body for yeah. what may come later. And if you're honoring your body and stuff, like, it's it's good. But um, And all yoga does attempt to raise a kundalini. It just happens at different speeds, you mm-hmm. know. I mean, if you're practicing a good a good hatha practice, it'll take it could take you know 25 years <laughs> to have a kundalini to raise a kundalini. Um, whereas just you know 
you could have right. that happen the first time you practice Kundalini yoga or, you know, just after a few weeks or, I don't know. So, but there, yeah, it's preparatory. I like the idea in, I'm not, I can't remember if it was in this, <clears throat> if you specifically mentioned this chapter or not, but, um, you know, we hear, we, we post on our walls, this, this scriptures that the temple, you know, is a house of prayer, a house of order, a house of faith, a house of fasting, a house of God. Um, mm-hmm. and, and a number of other things that come from, from the Doctrine of Covenants descriptions. Um, why do we not think of our bodies in exactly the same way? As being literally the conduit that gets us, that connects heaven and earth, and is the house of all those things. You do have this scripture in your in the chapter, Hebrews 13. Um, mm-hmm. It says, 15 through 16, says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But to do good and communicate, forget not, for for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. You're, I think you quoted that in the context of a, uh, talking about the idea of sacrifice and prayer. But um, I love the the blanching reference to mantra, <laughs> giving mm-hmm. giving praise through the and thanks to his name uh, from our from the fruit of our lips. Everything mm-hmm. we do in this body is uh is to to praise and connect with God in the same way with the temple and we can defile it in the same way as we can defile a temple and and if we do so mm-hmm. that defiling is uh is uh happens on a much deeper and more powerful level than we're ready to admit just like we would mm-hmm. be horrified if we did learn about something being done in the temple Mhm Well it's interesting to like um it's good to honor our bodies and it's good to keep fit and it's good to be spiritual and have a balance. And, um, and I think some people would say, well, I'm too far gone. You know, I can't do yoga. Yeah. I'm not flexible. I'm right. more, right. I'm morbidly obese or whatever. And like, um, I'd say that because I'm, I'm staying with the family and the daughter's 14 and she's totally cute. And she's made a comment yesterday about how she was morbidly obese. And I was like, um, we need to change that self-talk because you are not. No. Um, but the point is like, you know, like it, let's say you do have an extra hundred pounds on you and you're trying to do Kundalini yoga or you're trying, or you're thinking about going to yoga and you're like, Oh crap. Like, that's not what I want. Right. Like, right. like I can't even move or, or, you know, like I don't want to put on tight clothes and like stretch and like, <laughs> That's the kind of beauty of it is you don't have to be good. You don't have to be flexible. You don't have to be able. I invited an 84-year-old man yesterday to come to Kundalini Yoga. Um, <laughs> I was like, come to my, come to this class I'm going to. Um, but, like, it's really, it's for everyone. You know, I've, I think I said it before. I took a I took a class from someone in a wheelchair, and um, it was a great class. You know, like, it's just, it's about cleaning out the subconscious mind. And, and the body is used to do that, but you don't have to have a perfect body, you know, like, and it's never too late. Mm-hmm. You know, it's never too late, like, to no, go to the long, temple. I don't so why is if, it too late to do ordinances right. in the temple of your body? I don't remember if I've talked, if we talked about this in the podcast or just with you or someone else recently. Everything runs together. Uh, <laughs> but the the idea, I've always considered uh, the Alma's talking to his sons and and his idea that um this life is the time to prepare to meet god this this is the probationary state this is where we're we're supposed to do the the work the graduate seminar work right and and I've, so i've always considered uh for, for years and years the fact that if i wake up in the morning i'm not condemned it's not over cuz i'm still here 
right? I've still got <laughs> still got more chances to repent. This has given me as a gift, and so it's not as if I'm still alive. Basically, said it's not too late. Mm-hmm. It's not, and I, I had I think I said I had an 89 year old woman come to one of my classes in Arizona, <laughs> awesome. and you know, like I've had lots of people just say, "Oh wow, like this gave me hope." Like when I spoke in the Holistic Living Conference in Arizona. There was an older woman who came up afterwards, and she said, I wasn't going to go to your class, but then I just felt like I should, and I've been waiting my whole life for this. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, now you got it. Here you right. go. Take it and run, you know? Like, run with it. Ride that rocket ship. <laughs> and it's just so beautiful. Like, I don't know. I like how uh, something you mentioned in the <clears throat> chapter is that it's, it's every prophet's role to bring his people into the presence of God. Mm-hmm. And Enoch is the only one we know of who succeeded uh, with his city. Now, there are others, I uh, believe, mm-hmm. that we will get records of, but that's the only one we know of right now. Although that, is the, that has been the mission of every prophet and mm-hmm. every one. I was just studying Isaiah this week, and um, one of the commentaries was really went on and on about that, how every prophet, that has been what they were trying to do. And Joseph taught that the, the grand visions that all these prophets had, specifically in this case Isaiah, came after they received the second comforter. That is, uh, after they received the sealing power that we talked about with Nephi a few weeks ago and that calling and election. Then they got into this, these, these um, they got their calling to take it to the world, right, and included these incredible visions. And that's what they were doing, is to bring people into the presence of God, and not, and they all failed because of the wickedness of man. Uh, they well, they fa- to say fail. they fail is not the right, the right <laughs> way to put it. But there's no question that in, we have records, Moses specifically, and Joseph Smith as well, felt at times like they had failed, or like mm-hmm. they were failing. And really it was a personal uh, experience for them on that level. Um, mm-hmm. But you, it's, you're talking again in the context of ordinances here. Say The scriptures say that Moses plainly taught the children of Israel the need for ordinances. In Doctrine and Covenants 84, he sought diligently to sanctify his people that they might behold the face of God. That's Moses. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you include a quote from Yogi Bhajan saying, Moses instructed the Jews, this is Yogi Bhajan, Moses instructed the Jews to do this exercise, a specific Kriya he was teaching, before long journeys to raise their spirits and correct their slave mentality and give them the will to fight and not give in. And mm-hmm. um, and it's, it was an interesting concept to me, although uh, certainly not a foreign idea, that Moses was giving them all kinds of, of ordinances, and eventually they rejected many of the higher ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's in a context that I think people should wait to read your your chapter yeah. on with uh, talking about inward and outward ordinances and uh, some really mm-hmm. great stuff there. But But the idea that well, this is the whole point of everything we do and everything every prophet has done. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think let's go back a little bit and like what they, in order to come into the presence of God, um, your physical body has to be changed. You know, right, yeah, Moses right and Enoch and everybody, their physical body had to be changed. And Peter and, and his friends on the Mount of Transfiguration, <clears throat> all of them. Right. And and there's a physical component always to to um the spiritual stuff people understand like like in kundalini yoga we talk about like like people will have an experience and they'll just feel complete and total bliss and like if they're connected they are in the presence of god mm-hmm. you know but the physical body has to change first if the pituitary gland has to secrete all these hormones i mean but in order right. for that to happen like we do all these exercises to change the physical body and to change the brain 
so that we can feel God and feel bliss. And every time you feel the spirit, like your physical body is changing a little bit. So that can happen. There is a physical component. There it's has to be. This body is the vehicle. And um, yeah. <clears throat> it's not it's not something to be left behind or escaped. Mm-hmm. Like we have, this is here for a purpose. This is part of what we understand. We, we talked mm-hmm. a little bit about that in <clears throat> teacher training last time that, uh, you know, the most inadequate or strange question is at the end of a, of a Kriya or a meditation, somebody asks you, well, how was it? Or how are you doing? <laughs> it's impossible to answer. It's impossible. We talked about that. To answer that with words. Fine. Yeah. Great. Why guru? What, I mean, what, it's impossible Why? to convey the state of, of mind and consciousness. And I have um, students of my own now that are, that are telling me that. We do the we do the early morning class and I'm, my gosh I left on like I was walking on on air you know and I had a great mm-hmm. day and but that's you you try to give words to describe the experience <clears throat> I wanted I had another thought too with relation to that so much of the scriptures so many times we get examples of what happens uh, in great big moments like Enos or Alma certainly or Paul on the road to uh, wherever he was going. Where was he going? Why did I just have a break? Damascus. Thank you. For some reason I wanted to say Tarsus. I knew that wasn't right. <laughs> oh, uh, wait. I did have a thought on Jonah. Remind me after you finish Okay. All right, Jonah. Anyway, we have these big miraculous events of the of the conversion process, or the mm-hmm. illustrations, um, but we're, we understand that that's not how it usually happens. It's usually a, a gradual process, and I think, why is it not the same with something like translation? Uh, mm-hmm. preparing the body to minister at a higher level and to then and eventually to enter into the presence of God. Um, we get the idea that some of these things are things that just happen to us and will happen in a moment at some point in the future. I think this is part of the process of moving into uh, the new age. I think, trans, I think translation happens gradually. Yeah. You know, like I, I can't say much about it, but I... Uh, I agree, but yeah. It... it it, well, I think about it like this, like translation is a process of changing the intelligences in your body from telestial to terrestrial. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And, and, and those can be switched out a few at a time, you yes. know, until you're completely a, you know, until you're translated. And that's <laughs> and, the and, whole and, process. And, and we should define, let's define translation. Cause I think some people think that means to be like, that, like, well, I think whatever. what you just did is is perfect. It is the process of up leveling, moving from a t- from being quickened by the telestial law mm-hmm. or light uh, right. to use DNC eighty eight to the ter- terrestrial, and it's mm-hmm. it's something we'll all ha- we all will go through, and it's something it's the process of this cusp of the new age that we we're always talking about. That's the process that the planet is going through right now, and we have right. to you, with mm-hmm. the. Um, the, telest- the the Godhead is 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 split up. The celestial has the presence of the Father. The terrestrial, the presence of the Son, and the telestial, the presence of the Spirit. And if we're going to receive the Son on this planet, it's going to have to be a terrestrial planet. <laughs> yeah, and that's the process well, so, that's happening. So a translated body does not. Um, they don't die. Yes. Um, they don't need to eat or drink or mm-hmm. sleep necessarily. Mm-hmm. And they um, they also, though, like, I think they can't have children, like, once they're translated. Like, you're sort of done with the physical body processes on this earth. Although, I think then when you be, get your celestial body, then there's a different kind of mm-hmm. procreation. But translated beings are on the earth, and they're, they they don't die. Like, John, John the... 
right. beloved and three Nephites. But there's many others yes. yeah. here, and 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 hopefully many of us will be translated um, as we help in the work of building Zion. Um, some people, that's not their destiny. Um, mm-hmm. Their destiny is to live and have hundreds of babies in Zion, <laughs> you know, and like, yeah. but, but those, there's other blessings of having a sort of a, a Zion body, but, but yeah, translation though is the ultimate goal that, that we're kind of all looking for, or, or just to switch our bodies and right. then, and then eventually to have a celestial body. And but. that's, and it's, it's all the, it's the, <laughs> something that has been individual up till now on this, in, in the, on this planet, but is now going to be experienced by the group. And that's, that's the destruction of the latter days as well, is as, as the planet and up levels, anything that is still quickened by or hanging on to the, uh, the telestial light uh, can no longer be here. It will, it will mm-hmm. be able to continue, those individuals or whatever societies, everything, will, will be able to continue their progression somewhere else, but mm-hmm. not on a terrestrial planet. And uh, anyway, that's a... So it can be a process, just like every other gift. It's a process mm-hmm. of growing into it and learning how to use it. And I, mm-hmm. I think all everything's a process. And that's, yeah. a, anyway, an interesting way to, to look about it or yeah. conceive of it. What about Jonah? Okay, so I've been traveling around and going to different, you know, wherever, going to different words. And so I've had the Jonah lesson like three times. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And so I'm like, there must be something here for me. I thought I really understood this, you know. Um, and each time, I think I did get a little kernel. Maybe it was just to share my, my insights on Jonah, but I did get a little kernel last time. And there was a teacher, and he was talking about how how many people in the world believe that the story of Jonah is just a good story. It's an allegory. It didn't really happen. Right. And he was saying, well, we know it happened because here's some here's some proof. And he says Jonah was a real person because he's referenced in Second Kings. And I don't have that scripture handy, but he's referenced in Second Kings, and he's also like. And I said, well, also Christ references him in re- like when he's speaking, he's comparing like the three days in the belly of the whale to what he's will experience as the three days um, in the tomb. And the teacher was like, yeah. And so because Christ references it in relation to his own experience, like, it must be true, because otherwise it would have diminished, if it was just an allegory, it would diminish Christ's, um, you know, reference to himself, you know, mm-hmm. what he was really going to do. Yes. And I was thinking about that, and I was like, okay, so Christ referenced Jonah, and so that, like, this man believes that, that gives evidence that Jonah, the story of Jonah really happened. And I was like... That's an interesting way to look at it because then everything that Christ references, maybe not everything, but like we've got to investigate. But a lot of us don't know that Christ is referencing things because we haven't read the Book of Enoch or we haven't read some of these or the Vedas. Like the first line of John is a quote from the Vedas, mm-hmm. which is the ancient Indian scriptures, the oldest scriptures that we know of on this planet. Yeah, right. And it's that it's that it's that one in the beginning was the word and the word is with God. Like that's a that's a direct quote from the Vedas. And <laughs> Christ also references the Book of Enoch many times, um, but we just don't know it. I mean, people don't know it because they haven't read Enoch. But it's just interesting. It just made me think. Oh, maybe like as like as we go out and we're <clears throat> you know gathering up knowledge. Like it's that's when that's when it's of referencing our last podcast, that's when it's important to be like, what's similar, you know? Yes. And be like, oh yeah, Jesus said this, you know, almost word for word, he said this. 
Yeah. So that was sort of off the topic we were on, but um, no, I I love it. I'm just I'm sorry. I'm just scanning through your chapter as we go here, and it's. Uh, just going to have to recommend that people read your book as you release it and look forward to this one. Some of the subheadings in the chapter, Necessities for Exaltation, uh, Similarities Between Temple Bodies and Temples of God, A House of Sacrifice, Covenants, and A House of Prayer, um, <clears throat> Some of the Gestures and Acts, Patriarchal Pattern, Jesus' Ministry, and The Restoration, and the quotes and scriptures you're pulling are amazing. The Savior's on Mount Zion, and there's another subheading, the priesthood polarity. And Oh, uh, uh, yeah, that part will blow people's minds. It my really sort is. We talked about it a little bit in our We did a little bit. On, um, I don't remember which Unlike masculine feminine. Oh, right. Yeah. Anyway, um, so some fantastic stuff there. But I wanted to I wanted to talk about that, and it's, it's hard to... <laughs> Uh, it's hard to talk about because and that's why I love your, your, your chapter because it puts things, organizes the thoughts in ways that when I start thinking about it, everything just blows up at once, <laughs> but I don't know how to talk about it. Like, whoa, 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 it's all here. Uh, so I appreciate well, the work you've done. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> let's just leave it at that. I don't think we could talk about this. I don't think we can talk about it better than I read about it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I agree. I agree. <laughs> So, whoa, whoa, that was funny. <laughs> well, the idea again—the conflation of the temple body with the temple that we know and go to, and the cosmos and plan. So, yeah, encourage people to look for that. The chapter is called "The Body and the Temple." I don't even know what chapter it is. Is it coming soon, or is it's, it towards the end of the book? No, it's towards the end of the book. So maybe like by the end of October or by mid. I mean, I don't know how many chapters there are. How many of those are there? Count them. I'm, I'm going to post like one one line at a time on the outline. Oh, uh, the subheadings? No, no, no. Just if you go back to the outline, each link. So intro, my story about Yogi Bhajan, Christ mm, Yoga. Right. One, two, three, four. There, you know, it might take a whole month just to post all of these. Maybe not. Maybe less. And then there's some personal stories in the book from people who just, you know, Mm-hmm. taken my classes and stuff and their experiences that sort of fit in and I think those will be also posted on different days so good are you going to do them once a day once a week I think once a day um hopefully hopefully my travels won't get in the way I'll try to I'm going to try to do that soon and schedule them so that they'll just go out so that all of you guys waiting with bated breath don't have to email me and say where's this chapter <laughs> <laughs> Good. And what do you can you talk about uh, the hang up as far as a printed copy? Is it something people can help with you, there? Or? Oh, um, I I raised most of the money. Um, I think I I will still accept donations, like because I still have to pay my graphic designer her final payment. Uh, that would mm-hmm. be great if people want to donate. People have been very generous been awesome but she's working on it now she's got most of the text laid out and then the the manual part will be laid out next and it just depends on how long that takes but it should i am hoping that it's available by like the end of october in the in hard copy form nice yeah well, it's been a journey it. you know yeah. i remember i finished it so quickly thinking it's got to be out like right now uh-huh. and it's <laughs> You know, I patience. It's not that patience is my issue. It's just that 
I feel Patience an urgency. <laughs> I feel an urgency to get it in people's hands, but I have sort of released that, and like it, it'll be in God's timing, and it will be in people's hands. So, I think honestly, I think it needs to come out before I leave the country. Maybe that's my delay. I think I need to get a big box and bring it with me to around the world because shipping, like people around the world, have a hard time getting books sometimes. Uh-huh. And so maybe I'll just bring some. I don't know. How big of a run are you doing? First one. Oh, it's print on demand. Okay. Yeah. So I don't have to store a hundred thousand books anywhere. Well, not that I would print that many, but yeah, I don't I don't wanna be store I don't even have a home right now. Right. <laughs> I'm not homeless. Well, technically I am, but I'm not on the street. That's the difference. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm just I'm traveling like the apostles of old. <laughs> it's kinda wild, but it's fun. Like everyone we've stayed with has been awesome. So well, and it's it's been fun. I've had a chance to see you a couple of times, so that's really? a, that's something new. You see me a couple times? Well, for like five minutes at teacher training before I left. And oh yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> and we had and a great class in Pocatello the other night. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, very well attended like, class. Yeah, there were like twenty people there. Yeah. Yep, and so if you're in Pocatello, look up Pocatello Community Yoga. There's great. Um, Janice is teaching there at like a meditation center and there will be other teachers popping up. We can, oh, before, before we close, let me Mm -hmm. ask you, uh, because it may be, uh, applicable to other people as well, but in my class here, we've had a couple of people over the last couple of times, um, react with anxiety to the gong and that's not a, a totally unheard of uh, experience. I want, wanted you to talk a little bit about that. Oh, okay. Um, well, the gong is amazing. <laughs> Most people like love it, become gong junkies. But so the gong, what the gong does is you have really no defenses against it. It's the original sound current. It, it, it has lots of good benefits, you know, like it resets the meridians in the body and like, um, resets the nervous system Mm -hmm. but it also it it pressurizes the subconscious it cleans it out basically but as it's doing it 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 pressurizes it to clean it out and then sometimes that can be uncomfortable for people like in the beginning but if you stick through it like if you don't run out of the room um (laughs) it'll it'll eventually they'll just be like and then they'll just go to a very deep state and they'll feel very relaxed. Sometimes it might take two or three gong sessions, but most people get there like the first time, but some people, you know, like once you just give in to it, I mean, you can try to resist it, but it's just not, it just doesn't work. (laughs) Um, There was a really great girl who came to the Idaho retreat and she, at first she was like, I don't know, I'm not the gong. Like I really want to feel relaxed, but it's just weird. And, (laughs) and then, and then the second time she was like, it was better. And then the third time she was like, yeah, I just gave into it. I like, she's like, I had all these images just like coming, just like popping up and floating through my mind. And some of them were really meaningful and others were like random. Like, why am I riding on the back of a shark? I don't care. I'm just going to go with it. <laughs> and then she went into a very deep space. So, I mean, it just, it cleans you out. Right. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, most people doesn't take long before they really, really enjoy it. So I don't, I don't know what to say about that. Except no, I, I love mean, it. well, a, a big part of it too, maybe is 
you got to make sure that you're listening to gong playing from a good player because yes. the gong, you know, you're the right. gong is, yeah, the gong is an amplification device, and it's very powerful. It's mm-hmm. actually one of the most powerful tools we have as yogi because it's a meditation in itself. Like if just listening to gong playing is a meditation, um, but and you don't have to do anything, you yeah. know, and it can do all kinds of great things, but it, it will amplify the subconscious mind of the player. And so if the right, player's right. subconscious mind is, well, all of our subconscious minds are full of garbage. So the player has to be chanting a mantra while they're playing the mm-hmm. Like it's a requirement. And if they don't know that, then don't go to their class or don't go to their, right. um, or don't, I mean, most Kundalini people know that, but there are other gong players out there and gong CDs out there. You want to make sure you get a good one. That's know? a good point, and I, and I knew that. And I'm so the one I was playing or been playing is one that um, you provided at the. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, you provided in the uh, one of the workshops last year, and you had just recorded this gong. I did. Track, I just you? recorded a gong album, but I'm not quite sure how it's how it turned out. I mean, I did great, but I'm not. People don't really know how to mic a gong <laughs> around here. I would imagine. So I'm so I'm not sure if it. You know, like recordings and gong playing are can be just as good as the real thing, but I think it kind of has to be mic'd right, um, right to give you that experience. And I haven't, I haven't really listened yet, but I'm going to take it to someone and see if they're going to master, it. see see how it sounds. It's not all re-recorded, but I should have one out soon. I feel like that needs to happen before I leave the country and leave my gong behind for a little while, because it's kind of not traveling light when you have a gong right. with you. No, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, like, oh gosh, go listen to the gong, clean out your subconscious, have a gong nap. It's just like one of the easiest ways to up-level, yeah. you know, just lay down. And I think it's probably, if someone's having anxiety, it's they're the kind of person that has trouble just laying down and relaxing. But right. they'll get through it. Right. <laughs> and I know in at least one case uh, from this last week, that was that's the case. I know her and... Yeah. Yes, he has trouble sleeping and relaxing. So, All right, well, this has been a good one, and look forward to the release of the Body in the Temple chapter, everybody out there. So, all right. It's pretty amazing. Thanks for your time again, Felice. Satnam. You're welcome.